welcome back to Warrior Talk, the voice of Little Rock Christian Academy, a.k.a. Warriorville. This is Gary Arnold, your host and head of school. Every week, we want to grab about 10 minutes of your time to share an insight on school, education, parenting, and building community in the grace and truth of Jesus. Well, if you know anything about me, you know I love words. I love the feel of words, the look of words, the sound of words. Hey, I probably even like the smell of words. So here's a word for you, coddle. Coddle. Here's a question for you. Do you coddle? Definitely not a word we use every day. Here it is in my Webster's. Between coda and code is coddle. And it says, to cook gently by heating in water and not quite at the boiling temperature. I never knew that. And the second definition is to treat like an invalid or a baby tenderly. So we'll ask the question again. Do you coddle? Well, whether it's in the kitchen or maybe with our own children, the answer is probably... Yeah, a little bit. Well, the book that we're going to be jumping into this week is a book that I've talked about for several weeks now. It's on the bestseller list. It's now in paperback. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind. I've read it twice. Subtitled, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. I thought it would be good to note right at the onset that the authors are both social scientists and secular social scientists. They're not coming from a faith-based perspective. But so many of their conclusions resonate what I think we're thinking about as a school community. For example, it talks about three bad ideas. The first is the untruth of fragility, that Instead of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as the old adage goes, they say the new twist is what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Or the second untruth, the untruth of emotional reasoning, basically the mantra to trust your feelings and to make reason, no, to make decisions more on feelings than on reason. And then the third untruth that's pervasive in our society today that that's, uh, has consequences is the untruth of us versus them, that life is a battle between good people and evil people, and that that polarity is inevitable and that most likely we're the good people and other people are the bad people. And, and so with these three untruths swirling around in the air, they're saying our society is set up for a future generation of failure. I thought then rather than have me just drone on about this, I would review the table of contents with you, kind of tease you a little bit with that, and then read like one page from their book that will summarize the gist of what they're saying. So we've talked about the three bad ideas. The second part of the book is bad ideas in action. And then the third part is how did we get here? For example, there's a chapter on anxiety and depression, paranoid parenting, the decline of play, the bureaucracy of safetyism, and a quest for justice. And then it closes up by just encouraging us to wise up and produce wiser kids through wiser universities and wiser societies. Now, here we go. I'd like to just share with you directly from the, the mouth of the authors and see if this 
captures your interest at all. Allow me to read to you the first time we've ever done that on Warrior Talk, but here we go. We've always been ambivalent about the word coddling. We didn't like the implication that children today are pampered, spoiled, and lazy because that's not accurate. Young people today, at a minimum, those who are competing for places at selective colleges, are under enormous pressure to perform academically and to build up a long list of extracurricular accomplishments. Meanwhile, All teens face new forms of harassment and insult and social competition from social media. Their economic prospects are uncertain in an economy being reshaped by globalization, automation, and artificial intelligence, and characterized by wage stagnation for most workers. So most kids don't have easy, pampered childhoods. But as we'll all show in this book, adults are doing far more these days to protect children, and their overreach might be having some negative effects. Dictionary definitions of coddle emphasize this overprotection. For example, quote, to treat with extreme or excessive care or kindness, unquote. The fault lies with adults and with institutional practices, hence our subtitle, quote, how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure. That is exactly what this book is about. We will show how well-intentioned overprotection from peanut bans in elementary schools through speech codes on college campuses may end up doing more harm than good. But overprotection is just one part of the larger trend that we call problems of progress. This term refers to bad consequences produced by otherwise good social changes. It's great that our economic system produces an abundance of food at low prices, but the flip side is an epidemic of obesity. It's great that we can connect and communicate with people instantly and for free, but this hyperconnection may be damaging the mental health of young people. It's great that we have refrigerators, antidepressants, air conditioning, hot and cold running water, and the ability to escape from most of the physical hardships that were woven into the daily lives of our ancestors back to the dawn of our species, but comfort and physical safety are boons to humanity, but they bring some costs too. We adapt to our new and improved circumstances and then lower the bar for what we count as intolerable levels of discomfort and risk. By the standards of our great-grandparents, nearly all of us are coddled. Each generation seems to see the other one after as it as weak, whiny, and lacking in resilience. These older generations may have a point, even though these generational changes reflect real and positive progress. To repeat, we're not saying that the problems facing students and young people are minor or all in their heads. We're saying that what people choose to do in their heads will determine how those real problems affect them. Our argument is ultimately pragmatic, not moralistic. Whatever your background or political ideology, you'll be happier, healthier, stronger, and more likely to succeed in pursuing your own goals if you do the opposite of these three great untruths. That means seeking out challenges rather than eliminating or avoiding everything that feels unsafe. It means freeing yourself from cognitive distortions rather than always trusting your initial gut feeling. And three, it means taking a generous view of other people and looking for nuance rather than assuming the worst about people within a simplistic us versus them morality. Well, that's uh, just a page from this book called The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. 
Uh, again, I think it's worth a look. There's some good practical insights. It's not coming from a faith-based perspective, so I'm not asking us to buy into it hook, line, and sinker. But I think we'll all be better parents after we consider the questions raised by these two scholars. Let me tease you with just a couple of more seed ideas towards the end of the book in the chapter called Wiser Kids. Isn't it great they have a, a section called Prepare the Child for the Road, not the road for the child. That's the second time this year that we've encountered this sentence out there in great literature on strong parenting. Prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. Just keep chewing on that sentence and milk it for all its wisdom. There's another section towards the end of the book that's called Help Schools to Oppose the Great Untruths. Efforts made by parents have a greater chance of success, the authors say, if schools share parents' concerns about defeating the great untruths. And these efforts will be undercut if schools adhere to the great untruths. And here's where we have to smile because these aren't mandates from Little Rock Christian Academy. These are suggestions from the book. And I'd like for you to think about your opinion regarding these issues. Here's suggestion number one. Homework in the early grades should be minimal. Here's suggestion number two from the book. Give more recess with less supervision. Number three. Discourage the use of the word safe or safety for anything other than physical safety. And four. Have a no devices policy. Whoa, that breaks it open right there. Because, you know, we have different expectations for our devices in each house, house of love, house of joy, house of enthusiasm, house of warriors. We still are evaluating what's best for the kids. I look forward to more conversations on that matter. Here's, the, here's, here's a few more tips. Protect or expand middle school recess. That's interesting. Cultivate the intellectual virtues. They go on, the intellectual virtues are the qualities necessary to be a critical thinker and an effective learner. They include curiosity, open-mindedness, and intellectual humility. And the process of developing intellectual virtues must begin long before arriving on a university campus. Aha, that's where we come in. We are that place where that can happen. A couple more. Teach debate and offer debate club. That's a great idea. And we used to have a debate club thinking about resurrecting it. Assign readings and coursework that promote reason discussion. And on this one, we are really becoming expert. This is happening in our upper school, particularly through the Harkness method. Uh, you've heard about it, I'm sure. And in a future podcast, I'll have Dr. Smith delve in deep as to what we do, particularly in biblical worldview, using the Harkness method to build skills for reasoned discussion. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this little uh, toe-in-the-water look into this book, and it's whet your appetite to take a, a, a deeper look. I look forward to being back with you next week, and until then, God's peace and go Warriors. Warriors.